Good morning. I'm still on holiday, by the way. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to read a little text to you that I got on Monday morning when we were here. You remember last Sunday we mentioned a brother from Slovakia who had taken part in the breaking of bread for the very, very first time. And <clears throat> he has two children, a girl of 17, a teenager, and he has just a little uh, baby girl as well, about six months of age. And, <clears throat> you know, the girl, the teenage girl, has seen such a change in, 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 in the home. Um, I said to Miloš <clears throat> one time, I said to him, you know, Mariana, that's what you call his daughter. I said, you know, Mariana must have seen such a change in your home since you got saved. And he said to me, you know, Hilton, before I got saved, I was not a good man. And, you know, I said, Miloš, none of us were good. There was none good, no, not one. But she has seen a tremendous change. But she did say to her father, because she's been challenged with the message of the gospel, and she's been challenged with the conversion of her parents, uh, but she did say to her father, she said, Dad, I want to try all the things that you tried. And I want to do the things that you did. And then, you know, we can think about salvation. And that's the way some young people think today. But here's the text I got from Milos last Sunday morning. Sorry, last Monday morning. Dear brother, God is good. God resolved Mariana's salvation. Mariana has accepted Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. So that was, <clears throat> that was just such encouragement for us uh, last week, last Monday morning. And please pray for, remember that name, Mariana. It's not, she's at college. Um, She's in a strange land. She's away from her own, her own land as such, and pray that she might be helped and preserved in the days that are to come, if the Lord, the Lord will. Now, um, we have quite a few verses to read this morning, uh, because we need to get the story and the verses. And um, you know, the Bible is more important than what we say about it, so we we, we don't mind reading a number of verses. Let's commence in Genesis chapter 39, again in the story of Joseph. Genesis 39. And we'll read at uh, verse number 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Let's look down at verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not what he had save the bread which he did eat, 
and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife did cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then shall I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her, nor to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house within. And she caught him by his garment, his garment, the second garment of Joseph, saying, Lie with me. And they left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when he saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought unto us, brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and so whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did the Lord made it to prosper and then you know that Joseph met two men in the prison and in chapter 40 uh, let's look at verse 7 and he asked Joseph he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And they gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. Three branches are three days. 
Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand. Therefore the former manner which, after the former manner which thou uh, wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Egyptians, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker said on, saw the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up his head from off thee, and thou shalt, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And they lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And they restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. And they gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. The Lord will bless these readings from his own word. I was greatly encouraged in one sense this morning because, you know, these are very sensitive things to read about in a public meeting where young people are present, and they are very sensitive things to speak upon, even in these days in which we live. And I was honestly unsure as to whether to read these verses this morning or not. And for the very first time since I've been coming here, our brother spoke to me this morning, and for some reason, prompted, I believe, perhaps of the Holy Spirit himself, our brother said to me, do not be afraid to preach the message that has been laid upon your heart. It is the Lord's message, and I take a great encouragement from that this morning. We will speak on these things sensitively and with a sympathy for young people and try to be as careful as we can in dealing with these delicate issues. Now, you remember that last week we spoke that Joseph was distinguished in his life by four garments. And it's interesting to me that these four garments were worn in four different houses. You remember that last week we spoke about the coat of many colors, Joseph's amazing technicolored dream coat, the best-known garment, the best-known coat in all of the world. Somebody said to me this morning, there must have been green in that coat. Sure, you come from Ireland and maybe... Maybe there was green in that coat, but we found out that there was a color there, that color of red, that never, ever the father, Jacob, had intended to be there. And that was worn in the father's house, in that house where Joseph was hated by his brethren. Joseph wore tokens 
of his father's love and of his father's care. But then when he came down into Egypt, he was taken into the service of Potiphar, the captain of the guard. And the second garment that we have read about this this morning, this afternoon, the second garment is the servant's garment that he wore in Potiphar's house. And how that garment was used in evidence against him for something that he didn't do. We want to speak about that in a moment or two. The third garment was the garment that he wore in the prison house. He was put into prison for something that he didn't do. And in that prison house, he wore a prisoner's garb. And when Pharaoh had a dream, we didn't read it, but when Pharaoh had a dream and called for Joseph to be brought forth, Joseph changed that prison garment because it was unfitted to go in a prison garment before the king, the Pharaoh of all Egypt. So he wore the coat of many colors. He, he wore the servant's garment. He wore the prison garment in the prison house. And the last garment that he wore, which we didn't read about, was the garment that he wore in Pharaoh's house. The Bible says that Pharaoh arrayed him in fine linen. And there's lovely thoughts connected with that, which we probably won't have time to speak about today. So these are the four garments that Joseph wore. Now, Joseph, in our passage that we have read, Joseph is about to face trial. And Joseph is about to fear, is about to face testing. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to say to each of us this, this, this morning that in our Christian life, every one of us is going to come into circumstances in life where we are going to find testing and where we're going to find trial. Some of these young folk here this morning have probably never had testing in life as yet because they're still young and tender in years. But every mature Christian in this meeting, in this fellowship, I'm sure that every one of you has already come into testing and has come into trial. There are three things that test us, and there are these three things that try us in our life as Christians. Number one, the world tests us. The world is attractive. The world is pleasant. The world has pleasures that are but for a season, and the world tests each and every one of us betimes. In the New Testament Bible, it tested a man called Demas. And Paul writing about Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. So the world can be a test. I know that we love the Lord. I know that we love the Lord more than anything else. But there are times when the world come very close and can test the very, very best of Christians. And then, I was interested that our brother John this morning said that when God saved us, he saved us from ourselves. Because not only does the world test us, but the flesh can test us. There's something within ourselves, in me, John reminded us this morning, in me that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. 
And sometimes the flesh can rise up and test us. Even in David's life, David was tested by the flesh. And I know that Rajav in the, in, in the, in the, in the weeks that has passed has, has set out before you those lovely studies in the life of David the king. And yet David, the man after God's own heart, was the man that was tested by the flesh. And in a moment of weakness, David lost his self-control and he sinned grievously in the case of Bathsheba, the, husband, the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David was tested by the flesh and miserably failed. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to say this morning, if a man with the spiritual stature of David could feel under the testing of the flesh, any one of us could feel when tested by these tremendous things. The man on the platform, the elders in the congregation, the youngest believer in our gathering, we're all prone to the temptations of the flesh. And we need to be guarded and we need to be careful. And we need to pray that God would keep our garments unspotted in this defiling world in which we live, where the flesh looks so attractive. So we can be tested by the world. We can be attracted, we can be tested by the flesh. And has not our dear brethren in our earlier meeting reminded us this morning that we can be tested by the devil himself? You see, the devil had no interest in you when you were unsaved because you were on his side. But thank God you've changed sides. We're on the Lord's side now. But you become then a target for the devil. And the devil can, it was the devil that tested our blessed Lord himself. But thank God if Demas failed. And thank God if, if, if David failed. Thank God the Lord never failed. Get thee behind me, Satan. And he was victorious. You know, he proved in that temptation, the Lord proved not only, number one, that he did not sin. But you know, he proved, number two, that he could not sin. And we believe with all our hearts that the Lord Jesus not only was sinless and did not sin, but we believe he could not sin. His nature, his nature was impeccable. He was sinless and spotless and stainless in the world his own hands had made. So we can be tested. And some of you know the temptations and testings that are in the world. The testings and trials of poverty. Poverty. Of loneliness. Of family troubles. Of ill health. There's none of us immune from these things. But I want to say this morning that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And God can bring us through. Do you know that it was an Irish man from our part of Ireland, a man called Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven wrote those lovely words, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. 
Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus knows our every weakness. He will all our sorrow share. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing in temptation and trial and times of testing to have the Lord Jesus on your side and in your heart. You know, someone someone asked one time, there was a great preacher in England called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a, a Baptist man by denomination. There were about 2,000 seats in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in Elephant and Castle in London. And Spurgeon had seen so many people pointed to Christ that somebody said there wasn't an individual seat in Mr. Spurgeon's church where somebody hadn't been converted to Christ. He was an amazing preacher. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And someone asked him near the end of his life, Mr. Spurgeon, how is it? How is it that you got through life unspotted from the world? And Spurgeon thought a minute and he said, he said, in the goodness and kindness of God, he said, opportunity and desire have never met. Opportunity and desire have never met. There was times of opportunity, but no desire. There was times of desire, but no opportunity. And in the goodness of God, that godly man was preserved, unspotted in the world all those years. And we need to pray. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray in this world. Look at the mess that's in the world. The film industry. The music industry. The entertainment industry. The filth that's coming to the surface in the world at the present time. We need to pray in our Christian lives that opportunity and desire in the goodness and kindness of God will never met, will never meet that we might be preserved for Him. Now, Joseph's getting along fine. But Joseph is in the prison for something that he didn't do. And this woman casts her eyes on Joseph and makes these improper suggestions to him. And you know, it wasn't just on one occasion. It says day by day. Day by day. It was ongoing. And somebody says, well, why did he not just run away? Brothers and sisters, he couldn't run away because he was a slave. He couldn't run away. He was bound to Potiphar's house as a slave and as a servant. And comes the day when this matter comes to a climax. And he leaves this servant's garment in Potiphar's wife's hand as evidence. And she uses it against him. Here's the question. How is it that Joseph survived? How is it that Joseph overcame this tremendous temptation? 
Brothers and sisters, I want you to remember this. Here's how it is that Joseph overcame this temptation. Joseph's love for God was greater than Joseph's passion for the woman. He loved God much more than the passion of that woman. And so he overcame. And brothers and sisters, let us, let us look at our priorities. Let us look at where we stand in relation to these things. The morals of the, the morals of Egypt were a test to Joseph. The morals of the world are a test to us in the day in which we live. Is our love for God greater than the things that are going on around us. If we are, if they are, we will all be preserved for God. I say these things, especially to the young people. What a world these young people live in. Whenever I was a boy, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have the things that young people have at their fingertips today. And these young folks in the quietness of their own rooms have temptations and things that we never faced. And we need to keep close to God if we're going to be preserved from these evil things. And so Joseph overcame. Why did Potiphar not hang him, by the way? Why did, why did Potiphar put him in prison and not hang him by the neck upon a tree like he did with his, with his, with his baker? Do you know why? I don't think he believed his wife. I think he knew his wife better than that. And I think he believed Joseph more than he believed his own wife. And that's why he didn't hang him by the neck upon a tree. Such was the testimony of godly Joseph. But he put him in prison just to save his, just to save face, I think. And, um, uh, that's where Joseph, that's where Joseph got this third garment, the, the garment of the, of the prison, of the prison house. Now, um, let me tell you about the consequences just a minute. Let me tell you about the consequences of, if Joseph had been overcome. What were the consequences? If Joseph had given in, what would have the consequences have been? Number one, he would never have had his brethren to kiss. Number two, he would never have had his father's affection. And number three, number three, he would never have men to save in the world. Brothers and sisters, could we give it all up? Could we give all that up? Could we give our brethren and sisters up? Could we give the Father's affection up? Could we give our testimony in the world up? Could we, could we give it all up? Let us be like Joseph. Let us be like Joseph and let our love for God be greater than the passions of the world. Now, when we came to, the reason why I read chapter 40 and chapter 40 is because Joseph is in the prison. 
And in the prison, he meets the butler and he, makes, and he meets the baker. And, and, and here's three men in the prison. And I, I, want you to picture, I want you to picture the scene with me. Here are three men. Here is one, here is one who is going to die in his sins. Unforgiven. The baker. Here is one who's going to be set free. Were we not reminded this morning that we've all been set free? And here is one in the middle for some, there for something he didn't do. Is it a picture of something? It's a picture of Calvary. Three crosses standing side by side of broken laws saying, Two for their own transgressions died, but the middle one for mine. And here's one thief who's going to die in his sins. And here's one thief that's going to be set free and meet the Lord that day in paradise. And the one in the middle, upon that cross of shame, was there for something that he didn't do. Why was he there? Brothers and sisters, he was there for your sin and mine. I love to think it was for the sins of the world, and so it was. But there's something special when I think it was for me. Yes, all for me. O love of God, so great, so free. O wondrous love, I'd shout and sing. He died for me, my Lord, the King. Something he didn't do. When I was a wee fellow at school, in the, we call it the primary school. That's the junior school. I was sitting away down at the back. And one day with a, with a teacher, a teacher called Miss Hayes. And Miss Hayes was a, she was a lovely old spinster, but she was very, very strict, you know. She was one of the old school, you know. And uh, one day when we were kind of working at our desk, all of a sudden I heard her saying, Hilton, come you up to the front and bring your school bag and tip its contents right out on my desk. And I, I wasn't sure what was happening, but anyway, I went up to the front, I tipped my school bag out, that was books and, you know, pencil sharpens, and all kinds of stuff fell out of the bag. But you know what fell out of the bag as well? Another wee boy's pencil case. And she said to me, how did you get his pencil case into your school bag? And I said, Miss Hayes, I honestly don't know how that pencil case got into my school bag. And she says, well, I know how it got in there because you were trying to steal it. And those were the days when they had big, you know, some of you remember the canes. They were big kind of canes. You could hear them, whoosh, you could hear them whooshing in the air. And three on this hand, and three on this hand, in front of the whole class for stealing a pencil case. And about three days passed, and I was sitting at the back again. I never told anybody about it. I was so ashamed. Three days passed, and Miss Hayes held and come you up to the front again. And I stood at the front beside Miss Hayes, and she put her, she put her arms around me in front of the whole class. She says, "We remember you. Remember class those couple of days ago." when we punished this boy in public for stealing the pencil case, she said, well, I found out now from another source that 
It was another boy that put the pencil case in his bag and I found out now the truth and I have to tell you that we punished this boy here for something that he didn't do. And she gave me in those days, and it was a big thing, in those days she gave me a pencil, a nice sharp new pencil, a shining brand new pencil. She gave me that pencil as recompense for being punished for something that I didn't do. I'm going to tell you this, brothers and sisters, that was a nice pencil, but I tell you this, it didn't compensate me for being punished for something I didn't do. And upon that cruel middle cross of Calvary, one blessed man laid down his life for me on Calvary's tree and was punished, not only by men, but punished by his Father God for sins that I had committed and for something that he didn't do. If that isn't love, the sparrows can't fly. There's no stars in the sky if that isn't love. Three men in the prison and the middle one there for something he didn't do. But then did you notice that he asked to be remembered? He said to the butler, he said, whenever you get out of here, he said, speak to me, to Pharaoh. Remember me to Pharaoh because I'm in here. Remember me and tell Pharaoh about me and about my case. Brothers and sisters, there's one who has asked us to remember him. Did we not do that this morning? What a joy, what a joy, what a delight to take those emblems. To take that bread, to think about his precious body that was bruised on my account. And to take that cup reminding us of his precious blood. You know, as we came up the road this morning, there were cars in front. And I, I said to myself, these are all going to remember the Lord. But they all turned left. They all turned left into the dance. And I come in here, I said, Lord, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not going to the dance. I'm thankful I'm going to remember you. Remember thee in all thy pains and all thy love to me. Yea, while a breath of pulse remains, I will remember thee. He has to be remembered. And we should remember him. And then did you notice that, did you notice that Joseph found favor with the captain of the prison? with the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He was responsible for the running of the prison. You remember at the cross, the Lord Jesus found favor with the keeper of the soldiers. You remember there, there was a centurion and he'd seen many men die. But he'd never seen a man die like this. And the centurion there, uh, the Lord found favor with that centurion. The centurion said, truly this was a righteous man. Truly this was the Son of God. You know, I believe we'll meet the centurion in heaven, brothers and sisters. I believe that man was saved as he watched the Savior die. 
You know, it's interesting in your Bible, there's a number of centurions, I just forget how many there are, but the Bible says something good about every one of them. You would think about big cross, hard Roman soldiers, that they might be, they might be evil men, but the Bible says something good about every one of them. And this man, I believe, will meet in heaven. But then you remember that the booth talked about three days. And you remember that Joseph said the three branches and the three baskets are three days. Now let us end this morning on this lovely note. Three is the resurrection number. On the third day, he rose again. And I'm not sure if you know that hymn. I'm sure you probably do. Uh, It says, it was written by a man, by the way, from Philadelphia. I think his name was Robert, Robert Horton, if my memory serves me right. Robert Horton from Philadelphia wrote that lovely hymn, Low in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah, Christ arose. But you know, one of these verses, and with this I close, one of those verses went like this. Um, one of the verses went like this. Death could not keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior. Now, here's what, here's, what, here's what the author wrote. He said, He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Well, I want to tell you this brothers and sisters, in the country where I come from, there were plenty of people that tore the bars away. What were they doing? They were escaping. I want to tell you, our Lord Jesus never escaped. Did not our brother remind us this morning, he not only went into the strong man's house and tore the bars away, he knocked his whole house down. He led captivity captive. He bound the strong man. He destroyed his goods. And sometimes when we sing that hymn, we sing instead of he tore the bars away, we sing he rose triumphantly. Jesus our Lord, up from the grave he rose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. So dear brothers and sisters, these are the, the garments of Joseph and of touch sensitive things. But it is with the view that we all might be preserved in this difficult and evil world in which we live. May the Lord bless his word to all our hearts. Shall we just pray? Father, we ask a blessing upon all that has been done in your name today. The remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ earlier on. Those that have worked with the boys and girls in the Sunday school. And now the reading of your word, this lovely story of Joseph. We pray, Lord, that we all might have grace to be preserved like him and that our garments might be unspotted from the world. Remember these young people. We covet them all for Christ. We pray that they might all be kept safe, that they might all be preserved, that they might live their lives like Joseph did for the glory and honor of God. 
So we commit ourselves to you now for the rest of the day and pray your blessing upon us in the Savior's worthy name. Amen.